First, I'd like to say thank you to whoever put two blocks of Kleenex in front of the seat I was sitting in. That was brilliant of you. Uh, there's lots of things I want to say right now. Just get ready for it. Um, and I'm going to try really hard not to cry. Some of you know this, some of you don't. I don't like showing emotion. I'm not very good at not showing emotion at the same time. I don't like emotion to be distracting, but uh, it is such a privilege to be in front of you. Uh, you have no idea how much I love you, or maybe you do. I hope you do. Uh, and it's been such a privilege. Uh, but it's been more than 10 years. I can remember um, interviewing for this job. I can remember uh, thinking I was done where I was before in Brampton, uh, where I got to know Julian, uh, and applying, and I chose to apply to Ottawa. I thought, hey, Ottawa's cool. I'd never been to Ottawa. It is cool, but... So I applied, and I can remember getting a phone call from Gord saying, thank you for the resume, but we like somebody else more. And I thought, okay, that door's closed, uh, but God had different plans. And I can remember interviewing on a Zoom call. I think it was Skype at the time. We didn't even have Zoom. And uh, it was in my basement. At the time, Julian was living in my basement. And I said, Julian, you need to go out tonight. And he didn't know why, and so he did. And I can remember driving in a snowstorm on Boxing Day to meet some of the wonderful search team. Um, yeah, there's a lot of memories around that. And then eventually coming here, July 2nd. I was asked to start July 1st, and I thought, no, that's a holiday, I'll start July 2nd. Little did I know I would have been paid for July 1st. All these years later, it's my biggest mistake. <laughs> it hasn't always been an easy 10 years, I know, for you, um, and not for me either. I had a mentor once tell me, the first five years you're in a church, you're dealing with everybody else's problems from before you. The next five years, you made all those problems. <laughs> it's been 10 years. I resigned a year ago. <laughs> I didn't think we'd get here. <laughs> I can remember five years ago, or close to six years ago, being in the Arrow Leadership Program, which you graciously uh, helped me do. You paid for most of it, actually, uh, and it was the best thing I've ever done. And I can remember sitting in Keats Island in BC, looking at some body of water related to the Pacific, talking with my mentor, Taylor, and thinking, I think I'm done at Bromley. And he said, are you sure? And I said, I think so. But I don't know. This was like six years ago. But what I realized is I wasn't done with Bromley. I was done being who I was at Bromley. Uh, and God has worked great things in my own life through you, uh, and I am grateful for that. Uh, the Holy Spirit's been working in your lives as well as mine. Um, there have been ups and downs, I know. And uh, I'm so privileged to have been your pastor. To been there for, uh, you know, Paul and Caitlin, your first wedding I did here. I also got to dedicate Logan and Mina. Um, I'd love to one day be able to baptize them. But we don't know what the future holds. Ten years is such a blip in eternity, but it's such a privilege. I also want to thank David Genty, um, who does not cook a good steak, by the way. 
I've never had his steak, but his thumb tells me, so David, sorry, Deanne, I called you out there. Um, but we were talking about music a little while ago, about the songs, and there were four songs. Usually we do three songs before the sermon. And I'm like, oh, four songs, that's more than usual. And he's like, I'm like, why don't we take one out? Uh, and he said, no, no, keep them in. And I'm glad we did, because I had four songs to stop crying in, and that was really helpful for me. One of the reasons I don't like showing too much emotion is I don't want it to be distracting. Um, emotion is good. I'm very emotional. I know I am, but I don't want to be distracting from Jesus. And I just want to say, and then we'll kind of transition to something else. I'm not sure what right now. It has been a privilege to walk with you in births, in marriages, in baptisms, in coffees, to sit by bedsides as our friends breathe their last breaths, to show up in hospital rooms after hours after your babies were born, to hold them, to pray for them, to pray for you, and to just be a footnote in the story that God is writing in your life. Thank you. It's been a real privilege to be your pastor. We never know how long we have, Ten years is a really long time for us, but it is a blip in eternity. And so thank you for these ten years. I was really struggling with what to preach on this morning, um, and now I'm struggling even more. But I'm glad you laughed. I also, you know what, I'm going to air out a whole bunch of dirty laundry. How about I do that? It's been ten years. So you obviously know how hilarious I am because you're all laughing. I remember coming here and nobody laughing. And I remember I, I just preaching, and I'm like, why does nobody laugh? And I was really like, am I not that funny? And I'm not. I'm really not. And I'm not trying to be distracting in laughter, but I think it's good to laugh. And I appreciate that you've experienced joy in these last 10 years. I can remember just wondering what happened. Like, why aren't we laughing? I'm glad where God has brought us, and I'm glad he's brought us here together. I won't bring up any stories from the past now. We're in this series called Around the Table because uh, meals make a difference. Uh, Not only do we get nourished uh, physically through the food we eat, but we get nourished spiritually, emotionally, relationally by the people we share it with. Uh, And and it's one of my favorite things to do is to share a meal with people, to learn from each other, to hear each other's stories, to to wonder uh, what could be in our futures together. And as we looked at a variety of stories, we've seen how Jesus uses these meals sometimes, and maybe sometimes it's the meal prep, or maybe sometimes it's the after-dinner drinks that he has at the Last Supper to illustrate what God is doing in people's lives and what he's inviting us to. Uh, Because God is inviting us into something more than we can always see and understand at times. And we're going to look at a story this morning that might be pretty familiar to you. Uh, chances are it is. I know I've preached on it before. I know other people have preached on it here before. Uh, if you have like a kid's Bible, you've probably read the story in multiple times. Uh, it's the feeding of the 5,000. So if you have a church background, if you've been to church before, you're probably familiar with it. If you're not so familiar with it, maybe you haven't gone to church before. Maybe this is your first time, and I'm glad it is, uh, because that's what we want to be all about is to invite people into this growing relationship with Jesus. But if you haven't, if you don't know the story, you might get glimpses into it that none of us who are so familiar with it get, uh, because it's fresh and it's new and the Spirit is working in our lives. 
But the story and its familiarity can kind of uh, sometimes lose how significant what is going on uh, for us and what Jesus is teaching us, because he's teaching us on multiple levels. And we're going to look at the story in Luke's gospel. And interestingly enough, this is the only miracle. So you have four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The Matthew, Mark, and Luke are what's called the synoptic gospels. So they all kind of have like a similar style and intent in writing, uh, just a different audience. And then John is called a Johannine gospel because it's John. So they added Johannine to it. I don't know. It's probably got a better name. I just don't know it. Um, and he has a very different intent and style of writing, but this is the one miracle that's in all four. It's something that brings them all together. And there's slight variations in each time it's recorded, and there's reasons for that. It doesn't make it any less true. It just means there's a different audience and intent to draw out. So same as if you tell a story to me, and maybe you tell a story to someone who knows you differently, you might emphasize certain things differently. It's the same thing with Scripture. Sometimes when there's a discrepancy, it's because they're emphasizing different parts of the story for different audiences. And so we have to keep that in mind. And Luke's gospel I chose, and just because I've been trying to camp out in Luke around these stories, and that's the only reason, but it is in all four gospels with slight variations. John has the most interesting variation in it, uh, so you can read that sometime. But we're going to look at John chapter 9, verse 10. The thing about verse 10 is it comes after verse 9, or 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. And so we should have some kind of context as to what's going on. What's going on when we get to the story is Jesus has sent out his followers. So we know he has these disciples, these people who follow him, who've been learning from him, who've been journeying with him, uh, learning what it means to be like Jesus in everyday life. So he sends them out, and it says they went out proclaiming, meaning sharing the good news of Jesus, sharing the hope of that he is going to bring in this kingdom, in this world, and demonstrating through the healing of the sick who this hope is in Jesus. So these followers of Jesus have gone out, they've spent some time, they took their provisions, what they had to, but they weren't told to take much, and they're relying on the hospitality of others, and they share the good news, and they demonstrate the good news. They're acting on it, and they're speaking it. And so they're sharing about what Jesus is all about. And then we get to this story. So that's the context. It says, when the apostles returned, so that's when they returned from this, they reported to Jesus what they had done. So they're telling him, hey, Jesus, I healed this guy whose foot was crooked, or this guy couldn't talk, and now he talks. This person couldn't see, and now they see. And we told them all about you. This is an important piece. Sometimes we miss this. They proclaimed and they demonstrated. Meaning, they didn't just do something good for people. They told them why they do something good for people. Because of who Jesus is and what he was doing. And what he continues to do in our world. Sometimes we do one or the other. We tell people, hey, you need to know Jesus. you got to save yourself from hell or something like that. Or we go, hey, let me feed the hungry. But what really Jesus is asking us to do is both. You're to demonstrate and proclaim. You're to tell people the hope we have in Jesus, that he invites us into life and all of his fullness through his death and resurrection, through the forgiveness of our sins. And we are to demonstrate that life and all of its fullness by how we treat each other, by what we do for each other. So this is what the earliest followers of Jesus did. 
they demonstrated and they proclaimed the hope that Jesus was. It says, then he took them with him and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. So what the apostles or the disciples did is they did exactly what Jesus does. They proclaimed and they demonstrated. Jesus shows us. He proclaims the kingdom of God, meaning there's a place and a time in our history where when we can understand that God is king and we are in that kingdom, we will live differently and experience life differently. And so he proclaims this. He shares this with the people around so they can gain an understanding, but he also demonstrates that this kingdom is different because they're healed. And so in word and in action, he's demonstrating what the gospel is, the good news of Jesus. There's a technical word for this. It's called integral mission, if you ever want to know. Sometimes I talk about that. It says, Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging, because we are in a remote place here. Send the crowd away. We're in a remote place. This is a very caring statement. We shouldn't overlook that. The followers of Jesus say, you know what? They're going to get hungry. They're going to get tired. You should let them go find somewhere to go. We'll stop teaching. We'll stop doing stuff for a little while. They'll come back later probably. It's a very caring and gracious comment that they make. They're thinking about the crowds in Luke's gospel. They're thinking, how do, how do we care for this crowd? This crowd that we're proclaiming to, this crowd we're sharing with, crowd we're acting and doing for. He says, he replied, give them something to eat. Good old Jesus. Give them something to eat. They answered, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish. Unless we go and buy food for all this crowd, about 5,000 men were there, meaning there are more because it's just men that are listed. The disciples want to send the crowd away, and Jesus says, let's feed them. Let's feed them. I love feeding people. I've shared this. You saw a video, apparently. One of my biggest fears is not having enough food for the people I invite over. So I usually make too much. And that's why I'm fat. There, that's the end of the sermon. Okay. Um, <laughs> no. Um, it, it's just this natural thing. It's like, well, you want to make sure people, are, you want to show hospitality. You want to, you want to welcome people in. You want to make sure they're fed. You want to make sure they're cared for. You know, and that's, that's a normal kind of thing. You don't want to just be like, well, we've got four pieces of cheese and two crackers. Fight over it. You know, you want to make sure you're taking care of the people that you're inviting to be around you. And so these followers of Jesus are like, yeah, let's send them home. Let them go, go grab lunch on their own. Maybe they can find something. They find somewhere to lay their head. And then we'll come back to it. But Jesus says, no, you feed them. And their understandable response is, we don't have enough food. We don't have enough food. We have enough food for us. Not enough food for them. Completely understandable. But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. Disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Taking 
the five loaves and two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. This large crowd follows. They need something to eat. Disciples say, let's let them go get something to eat. Jesus says, nope, you feed them. Disciples say, we don't have enough food. Jesus says, well, what do you have? Let's see. He prays, he gives thanks, he breaks it, and it multiplies. One of the most amazing miracles if you've ever fed a crowd. Amazing. That that many people were fed with so little. So little was able to be redistributed in such a way that was so much left over. Jesus demonstrates a few things in this miracle. Around this table, he's teaching us a few different things. First thing is this, it's not about what you have. The disciples, all they could see is what they had. All they had was a little bit of fish, a little bit of bread. When you think about your own life, you can easily think, okay, what do I have? Maybe it's about, what do I have in my bank account? Oh, I can't help somebody because I don't have enough money. What do I have in my cupboard? Oh, I don't have enough food, so I can't feed somebody. What do I have in my heart? I'm broken, I'm hurting. How could I ever help somebody? It's not about what you have. It's about what you bring to Jesus. No matter how little you think you have, Jesus can perform a miracle with it. You might think, I have, I have no money. Why would I ever give to somebody in need? Why would I ever give to my church? Why would I ever do these things? I've got so little. And that's a real feeling that I have at times too, so I'm sure you do as well. But one of the things that Jesus demonstrates is when we are faithful with what we have, he can multiply it. It's not about what you have, it's what you bring to Jesus. You might be thinking, well, you know what, I'm on my second marriage, and that's going bad. You know, I'm miserable all the time. I'm struggling to just keep my head up straight. How could I ever help somebody? It's not about what you have, it's what you bring to Jesus. What could he do with you? Where could he bring you? Who could he bring you to? You might think, I've never even gotten through high school. You know, I work a blue-collar job. How could I ever help somebody in some way? It's not about what you have. It's about what you bring to Jesus. And so it needs to be asked the question, what will you bring to Jesus? What will you bring? You might think, I'm not gifted. I'm not talented. I have no money. You know, whatever it might be, what are you willing to bring to Jesus? We all have something to bring. The disciples thought, no, no, get rid of them. We can't help them. All I've got, five fish, two loaves. Seems like so little. It's impossible. With Jesus, nothing is impossible. Wherever you are, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, physically, mentally, nothing is impossible with Jesus. We're just invited to bring ourselves to Jesus. What will you bring to him? And this is the other side of the story that kind of hit me this morning as I was reading and praying. It's not just about what you bring, 
But what will you trust Jesus with? It would be easy for me to say, Jesus, this is what I have, but I'm going to hold on to it. Because I like it. I'm comfortable with it. I'm comfortable with my brokenness. I'm comfortable being miserable. I'm comfortable with whatever. If the disciples never gave Jesus the fish and the bread, the miracle would be mute. They had to trust that Jesus would do something with it. What is it that you bring to Jesus, and what will you trust him with? Because he can do something great. doesn't matter if you're young, if you're old, if you're happy, if you're sad. Wherever you are, what are you willing to bring to him and trust him with in who you are? And what will he do with it? I wouldn't be here if I didn't bring myself to Jesus and trust him every day. Because there's nothing really that I bring to the table. It's all Jesus. It's him that multiplies. It's him that speaks through scripture to you. It's not me. I'm just a footnote in that story. What are you willing to bring? What are you willing to trust him with? So that he can multiply it for somebody else. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that uh, just as the disciples could bring so little and Jesus could give thanks to you and work a miracle by feeding so many, you invite us, wherever we are, whatever we've gone through, whatever we're going through, whatever we're thinking, whatever we're feeling, to bring that to you. And you will do something great with it if we just trust you with it. Whether it's our broken heart, our broken relationships, our sorrow, our sadness, our joy, our exuberance, our excitement, whatever is in us that we bring to you, God, I know that in Jesus, when we trust you, you can multiply it for your good. Wherever we find ourselves this morning, I pray that we bring what we have to you and trust you with it. Whatever we find ourselves tomorrow, I pray we bring what we have and trust you with it because we need to do it all the time. We need to do it every day. And Holy Spirit, I pray you help us see that even when we may think we have nothing to offer, there is something good in us that you're inviting us to bring to you. Remind us that nothing is wasted in your work and that you have something for us more than we can understand. Help us to proclaim and to demonstrate your goodness in this world. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.